This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I want to say to our online viewers, uh, welcome. We're so glad that you have joined us, whether you're from here in the Petaluma area and you just couldn't make it in this morning, or you're going to watch later on in the week, or you're part of our growing audience that is actually joining us on Sunday mornings from various places around the world. We're so glad that you are part of this and that you're allowing God to speak into your life through what he's doing in this church. So welcome to the gang. Now we're in this mini-series. It's only two teachings long, so you're here today. So you're going to get 50% of it today, all right? If you were here last week, you're going to get the whole thing. And I just love that last song that the band sang, and that is, your love so deep is washing over me. And I just want to say a couple of other things before we jump into the teaching. The culture you get in the kingdom of Jesus, I'm not just talking about religion Because you can go to churches and just get religion. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about every time someone says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not actually talking about that. But in the actual kingdom of Jesus, the culture you get, you cannot get anywhere else in the world. It is otherworldly. We're going to talk about that today. So now quite often... There is this this phrase or sentence in the four um, biographies of Jesus' life. And they are the first portions of the New Testament in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, And so here's what you will often find. It says that Jesus ministered from place to place preaching the wonderful news of what? The kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom more than any other subject. And the reason is the kingdom of Jesus is transcendent. It's above all other kingdoms of this world. And it's the only kingdom that will last forever. And it is supposed to be the centerpiece of human history. And when we understand it right... And we live out the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus becomes the most important figure in human history. And that's why Jesus is the center of our church. Now we're going to review a little bit from last week. And the first thing that we're going to see is that the kingdoms of this world desperately need the kingdom of Jesus. I'm sure you've noticed recently, I know I have in my lifetime I've never known a time where the world felt less safe than it feels right now. I've never known a time when the world felt more unsure than it feels right now. And I would tell you it's because there's way too little of the kingdom of Jesus in the kingdoms of this world. But it's not just that the kingdoms of the world need the kingdom of Jesus But you and I, the people, desperately need the kingdom of Jesus in our lives. Because our attempts to build our lives on our own are failing. Let me throw some statistics at you. 
okay? 41% of all marriages in America, first-time marriages, 41% of them end in divorce. And by the way, what I'm going to say, oh, please, there's no condemnation for anybody in our audience who is divorced, okay? I don't say it with any judgment. I just give it as an illustration of we're doing the best we can, but we're not succeeding all that well. And, and we have to know that. So you would think if 41% of our first-time marriages end in divorce, that the second time we do it, we do it better, correct? No, 60% of our second-time marriages end in divorce. And you would think, I have messed this up twice. The third time is the charm, right? 71% of third marriages end in divorce. Since 1960, the depression rate in the United States has gone up 10 times. 1,000%. That's astronomical. But think about this. The average onset age when depression hits an American these days, okay? In 1960, it was 29.5 years. You'll never guess what it is today. Are you ready? 14.5. A freshman in high school is the average age when Americans begin to experience depression. The suicide rate in America in the last 20 years has gone up 35%. Now, we could fold up shop and go home. Let's just all cry, right? That's terrible stuff. But listen, I'm here to tell you there is an answer for all of that. But it's not found in the kingdoms of this world. The answer to all of that is found in the kingdom of Jesus. Not in religion. Not in the following of a bunch of rules and regulations. Not in doing your best for God. It's not that. It's actually found in the kingdom of Jesus. When we open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit come in and we let Jesus begin to rule and reign in our hearts, and we allow him to transform us. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. But here's what you and I need to know. We learned this last week, that although we get to choose to enter the kingdom of Jesus, you and I, it's never forced on us. We get to choose to enter it. We cannot create it in ourselves. This is not something you can do. This is not you doing your best for God and he says it's okay, sure, in my kingdom. No. This is about entering the kingdom of Jesus just as we are. All broken. All messed up. And saying, God, can you take this mess and de-mess it? Can you do that? Can you make something beautiful out of this? Could you possibly make something of my life that I could never make on my own. Because we can't create it. 
because of its transcendent nature, its supernatural nature, it is created in us only by the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to look at the culture. Last week we looked at the nature, this week we're going to look at the culture. And the culture in this kingdom of Jesus, it's the culture he creates in us. And at the end, we're going to look at four approaches to life that you can get in the kingdom of Jesus that you will not get in any kingdom of this world. And friends, I want to tell you, they are the four principal reasons why I chose to get into the kingdom of Jesus. And they are the four principal reasons that get me out of bed every day, grateful to be part of the kingdom of Jesus that fills my heart with hope for the future in spite of how our world looks. Are you on board with that? So that's what we're going to look at. Um, Paul wrote to his friends in the city of Rome, and he started describing the culture in this kingdom of Jesus. And I took four different translations, and I integrated them together into one translation that I think you will enjoy, because I took the best out of all four and put them together. Okay, so here's the integrated translation of Romans chapter 12, where Paul writes about this. And he starts by saying, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. The first thing you need to know is that in order to enter the kingdom of Jesus, you have to empty yourself. Mother Teresa once said, even God can't fill a heart that's already full of itself. That's pretty insightful, don't you think? And most of the time, we tend to think that a heart that's full of itself is a heart that's braggadocious and, 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 and all that. No, no, no. Most of the people that I know of whose hearts are full of themselves are people who are trying to do it on their own. It's not until I bring my life to Jesus like a preschool child and I say, it's broken. Can you fix? Yeah, that's where it begins. So Paul said, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. That's kind of important, don't you think? That's harder to do than it is to write about. I can tell you that. He goes on to describe what that might mean. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. That's why in this church we don't have a list of rules for you to keep so that you could feel good about yourself. Because when it's rightly understood, the kingdom of Jesus is never about what you bring to God. He goes on to explain, no, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. And I love how Paul puts this. Then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. 
Does that sound healthy? That's monstrously healthy. It is so good. This is what you get in the kingdom of Jesus. Now listen, this is not natural for us. It's not natural for any of us. We are broken in our human nature. All you have to do is look around. No, all you have to do is look inside. We're all broken. And it's not natural for us to empty ourselves of self-promotion. It's Father's Day. Which of you fathers ever had to teach your children how to be selfish? (laughs) You got a book on that? No, no, no. We're born with self-promotion. It's in us. But it's so destructive until we turn over to the Holy Spirit and say, could you help me empty myself of self-promotion? Now he goes on to describe. He says this next. The kingdom culture begins with humility. And I love Danielle Strickland's version of her definition of humility. It's believing about myself everything that God already knows is true about me. Both good and bad. That's humility. Humility is not self-degradation. Humility is not low self-esteem. Humility is looking in the mirror and saying, God, I believe everything about that guy that you know to be true. I see his brokenness and I believe and I know that brokenness and I acknowledge it, but I see the divine nature you've put in that guy. And I believe that if that guy would come to you and open his heart, that you would bring out every single piece of that divine nature you put in him. And I want to live it all. Paul goes on to say, no, God brings it all to you, the appropriate self-esteem. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Can I just pause for a minute and say, this is not a smile we paste on. I don't come to church and go, it's so good to see you. (laughs) And I can't wait till you leave, but I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) It's not that. Let the inner movement of your heart Friends, this is not a smile. It's not a smile we paste on. It's a heart we allow God to create within us. And then he goes on to describe love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. That's ironic, isn't it? Okay, going on. <laughs> Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be devoted to tenderly. I love that word, tenderly. Loving each other like members of one family. Take delight in honoring one another. Friends, you cannot get that culture in the kingdoms of this world. Can you? Go to work and try to get that. It's probably not going to happen. Because that only takes place in the kingdom of Jesus. He goes on to say this, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. I love this, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. 
Let this hope burst forth within you. And what will it do? Releasing a continual joy. You know why? For those of us who are Jesus followers, I'd like to suggest that we pray our way through this this week. Wouldn't it be wonderful to just pray, God, would you help me radiate the Holy Spirit this week? Would you help the Holy Spirit to release in me a continual joy that it would burst forth from me? He goes on to say, don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. This is the culture in the kingdom of Jesus. He goes on to say, take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. By the way, God's beloved people, that's not just talking about people in your church. You cannot point your finger at a person on the face of the earth that isn't God's beloved child. Right? You don't sound real, real sure. Right? Right. Yes. He says, take a constant interest. I have to tell you, I had so much fun this week praying for our team that was down in Mexico. Let me tell you a little story, a couple of stories, and then I'll move on. They went down to build a house for a woman who is currently living in a shelter for battered and abused women. And she has five children. Can you just for a moment put yourself in the place of a woman who's battered and abused and trying to protect her five children from that abuse? How scary that must be for her to actually leave her husband and leave whatever house they were living in and go live in a shelter for battered and abused women so that she can sleep at night and not be afraid. Twenty of our people got on an airplane and flew to Mexico and five days later, she and her five children are living in a house. How good is that? Did you know that the average child in Mexico who lives in a house, not, not something made out of, out of pallets or cardboard or chunks of tin, in an actual house that has a floor and walls and a roof. That's the only criteria, okay? Did you know the average child in Mexico that lives in a house is three times more likely to graduate from high school? We just helped five kids graduate from high school someday. The very first house we built in Mexico, we built for a family that was in serious trouble. The father was a criminal. He had been locked away in prison for years. 
was serving a life sentence, and for some reason he got released. We built a home for him and his wife and his children. His name is Luis. Today, Luis is a pastor of a church. And they have opened their own orphanage. And they are educating kids off of the street. And it started with a group of people here who said, Luis, let us give you a home. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people into your home as guests. Speak blessing and not cursing. And and you would think you would not have to tell that to Christians. Right? But look what he puts on the end of it. Over those who reject and persecute you. Oh. If we could go back and do the election over again and we could train our politicians to speak blessing and not cursing. Yeah. Did I say that the kingdoms of this world need the kingdom of Jesus in them? We do. Yes. He goes on to say, celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live in harmony. Listen, he doesn't say live in unison. Unison is where everybody sings the same part. He said, live in harmony. It's where people sing different parts and they have different opinions and they have different value systems, but they somehow learn how to mix it together beautifully. Live in harmony with each other and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with lofty, with a lofty mindset thinking that you are more important that you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks. And I love this. And identify with those who what? Are marginalized. Wow. This culture in the kingdom of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Can I tell you that every one of us, I'm not talking about social status, or maybe I am. I'm not talking about any particular thing. But I can tell you, every person in this audience has felt marginalized at some point in life. Because no one walks through this life without feeling marginalized. The answer is found in the kingdom of Jesus. He goes on to say, now listen. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. That's good, isn't it? Plan your life around the noblest way to benefit other people. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Never take vengeance into your own hands, my dear friends. Stand back and let God punish if he will. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And those are God's words. And then he finishes it all with this. He says, if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. It'll be there in a minute. If your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. And he goes on to say, your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience. 
and God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but overcome evil with good. I want to close with these four life approaches that separate the kingdom of God from the kingdoms of this world. And literally, it's like you came to my house and, and Monica is cooking dinner for you. By the way, you'll be glad it's Monica and not me. Monica is a fabulous cook. And it's like I'm taking you into the kitchen and we have all these pots on the stove that are cooking different things. And I'm just going to open the lid and give you a whiff of what you're about to eat. Because, listen, every single one of these could be an entire series of teachings. But let's look at these four because they are really powerful. The first one is this. The kingdom of Jesus works on transformation, not self-actualization. Now, there's a nuance between those two that puts them miles apart. So let's take a look. What is self-actualization? Self-actualization is this desire or this making myself into the best possible version of myself. That's why it's called self-actualization. And if you were to say to me, well, pastor, don't you want me to be the very best version of myself I can be? I would say to you, yes, I want that for you, but how you get it depends upon what it looks like in the end. Because self-actualization is you doing the best you can for yourself. Transformation is allowing God to make you into the best possible version of yourself. Now, if you have any faith at all, which one of those will probably turn out better? You let God make you into the best version of yourself and you, you will look in the mirror and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I got to be that person. Because he does this amazing thing. Here's the truth. God doesn't want you to do the best that you can for him. He wants you to let him do his best in you and through you. And when he does, listen to this. We talked about the brokenness that's in us. He won't just heal the brokenness. He will transform it. So do you want healed or transformed? I want transformed. I want it made beautiful. Not just somehow band-aided back together again. I'm thinking about a guy who stood on the patio out in front of our church one day and he had a tough background. I mean, a really tough background. And the first time I met him, he, I won't tell you how he got here, but his wife looked at him and said, you have two choices. You can either go to church and talk to my pastor or you can say goodbye to me because I'm going to divorce you. She'd been here twice. So he comes in, tail between his legs. He couldn't look me in the eye because of what he had done and how ashamed he was of himself. And he was sure that this pastor was going to let him have it. Just fast forward a couple of years. We're standing together out on the patio and he looks at me 
And he said, Ron, this church has changed my life. If you'd have told me two years ago that my favorite day of the week would be Sunday and my favorite thing to do on Sunday would be go to church, I would have looked at you like you had lost your mind. But here I am. Healed? No, transformed. Yeah. The second way in which the kingdom of Jesus is different is this. The kingdom of Jesus works on love, not tolerance. Tolerance is the buzzword in our society, right? Do you know what tolerance is? I looked it up. Here it is. Tolerance is allowing the practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interfering. So I don't like what you're doing. I don't agree with what you're doing. But I'm not going to slap you silly for doing it. There you go. That's tolerance. In the kingdom of Jesus, we're never taught to tolerate others. We're taught to love others. And love is the feeling of a deep affection for a person, even someone we don't like or agree with. By the way, that is not natural, is it? No. But in a transformed heart, it is. It will be the inner movement of your heart. In America, we've worked on tolerance for decades. Maybe we should be working on love. Difference number three. The kingdom of Jesus works through a shared life, not an individual life. Oh my goodness. I've got my personal rights. Right? My individual rights. And I'm going to stand up for myself. And no one's going to take my rights away from me. Listen, don't ever allow yourself to be abused. I'm all over that. But you know what? It's not until we're willing to start working on our collective rights and what's best for all of us, not just best for me. And usually what, what I think is best for me is not necessarily best for me. It's just what I prefer for me. You've had two-year-old kids? Yeah? If you let them do what they prefer to do, (laughs) God help your home. (laughs) Yeah. Because oftentimes what we prefer to do is not what's actually best. In the kingdom of Jesus, (coughs) we have this shared journey. And it's beautiful. And we take the journey of life together, watching out for each other, lifting each other up, encouraging each other. And when someone stumbles and falls, we don't leave them there. We stop. We pick them up. If they need to limp, we give them a shoulder. And we find a way to help them along in life. Yeah. You see, an individual life is really about self. And a shared life is really about others and self. And number four, the kingdom of Jesus works on grace and not on justice. 
Hmm. You know what justice is? Justice kind of goes like this. People are what they are and they need to endure the consequences they deserve. I'm sure your parents told you this. You made that bed, you what? That's right. You sleep in it. You lie in it. That's your, you, you did this to yourself. Okay? And while I do believe that in the right context we need to be made responsible for the wrong things that we've done and make them right, it's so much easier to do that when we've been forgiven first through grace. Did you know the kingdom of Jesus is about both justice and grace? But it has a big twist in the middle. And it's what makes the kingdom of Jesus the kingdom of Jesus. In the kingdom of Jesus, on the cross, Jesus took the justice that we deserved for us and he gave us grace that we needed. That's the heart of the good news of Jesus. That he took your justice so that he could give you grace. We're going to close with a song called Good, Good Father. It's really a prayer. And I want to encourage you, let this be your prayer. Let this be our prayer. That we could, on this Father's Day, we could declare to our Heavenly Father, you're a good, good Father. I want to encourage you. If you're not part of the kingdom of Jesus yet, it's okay. There's no condemnation here. I want to encourage you, take a step in that direction. Even if that step is saying today, Oh man, if, if I can get transformation, if all those things you're saying are true, why would I not want to be part of that kingdom? Well then take the step over. It's a simple prayer. All you have to do is say to God, God, I want to be in your kingdom. Jesus, I want to be in your kingdom. I'm in. Now show me, show me what's next. I'm on board. But today I want in. For those of us that are already part of this kingdom, let's make this the prayer of our hearts. Let's sing it together. If you want to stand, go ahead and stand. If you want to sit, I'm fine with that too. But let this prayer wash over you and sing it with all of your heart. You're a good, good father. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.